it was pretty clear to me once I got started that it was in my DNA to be a coach. Today on the Rising Coaches Podcast, we have the pleasure of learning from a strong Division I head coach with 15 plus years of head coaching experience and almost 30 years of coaching experience overall, Coach Karen Aston. Coach Aston is the current head coach at UTSA while also having previous head coaching roles at Charlotte, North Texas, and Texas. Prior to her head coaching career, she had multiple assistants at Baylor, North Texas, and Texas. Please welcome Coach Karen Aston. Video analysis is expensive, and I'm sure your budget isn't getting much bigger. Fulcrum Tech is here to help. Used by basketball teams at all levels from D1, D2, D3, all the way to high school. Their Angles product is similar to what you know and allows you to code, capture, and analyze with ease. All you have to do is import the raw video and synergy with just the click of a mouse. Over the past two years, over 60% of their D1 teams and conferences, such as the SEC, Pac-12, American, A-10, or even the NBC, just to name a few, have made the postseason. All this while saving thousands and thousands of dollars a year compared to their old companies. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to save more money? All you have to do is reach out to at Fulcrum Tech on Twitter or reach out to their sales at sales at fulcrumtech.com via email and be sure to mention if you are a Rising Coaches member for the Rising Coaches podcast. Do more, spend less with Fulcrum Tech. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Rising Coaches Podcast. We got Doug Caputo and Alan Major here, and today we are excited to be speaking with the head women's basketball coach at UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio, Coach Karen Aston. Coach Aston, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot, not a whole lot. I'm, I'm in Kansas City, Missouri, and we played, we played two days ago and finished up before Christmas break, and I'm just trying to catch my breath a few days before we get started in conference play. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to see you. I need to FedEx you some cough drops. I know, I know. I'm telling you, the second, <laughs> the second you stop moving, it's like it's like your immune system oh. goes goes yeah. to pot. As soon as you stop moving. I mean, I've been fighting this, I guess, for a week or so, but the second that I wound down a little bit, then it got me. Yeah, no, yeah. Your, body, your body's like, okay, I'm going to show you who's in, in control here. <laughs> that, you're exactly right. <laughs> but so no, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, this is, thank this you. will be fun. Of course. This is, this is an honor. We'll, um, we'll talk about your journey, your coaching experiences. Just to cover little tidbits there, kind of some knowledge that you took from those opportunities. Um, then we'll talk about just some, some more extensive off of that, some things that you learned and took away from there. But then at the very end, we'll wrap it up with the final segment, uh, three quick hitters and then one question to round it out. First things first, going back to your journey. So you started your NCAA career as a player at Arkansas Little Rock. And correct me if I was wrong, that's for two years, correct? Yes. Yeah, I started actually at Washita Baptist University and then transferred to Little Rock. Okay. See, some things, some things aren't on the internet and, and couldn't. Right. So thank you for clarifying. That's right. why I always have to make yeah, sure to yeah, ask. No. And you took a large jump a few years later upon graduation to an assistant role at Baylor. And just talk about that. First off, that big role, landing a big role at Baylor as an assistant and kind of being a coach first year. I mean, honestly, it, it was it was sort of a leap of faith on my part, just from the standpoint of 
you know, I was pretty comfortable in Arkansas. I had a great high school job. I, I was having a lot of success in high school coaching and just, you know, I got the bug through working, working college camps, uh, having players recruited. I, you know, I got a real bug to do that. And to be honest with you, it, it was, it was a networking opportunity for me because I had met Sanja Hogue who had taken the, the Baylor job, uh, sort of to resurrect Baylor, Baylor women's basketball at the time. She was there prior to Kim and, and I, basically begged her to let me just be a part of the program, to be honest with you. I mean, I mean, it's what would be the equivalent of a GA position now. It was called restricted earnings for those of oh, yeah. those of you that are throw throwback get, coaches. I'm a graduate. Understand what, <laughs> hey, and listen to me. Restricted earnings really that was exactly what it meant. Exactly what it meant. No I mean, question. I lived in the dorm. I, I called my job was basically I called it driving Miss Hogue because that's that's what I did. I made I got her cleaning. I, I did whatever it is she told me to do. But fortunately, uh it was a good experience for me and it and it opened the door up for me to get a full time assistance job. When did you know and everybody kind of has a moment, or was it maybe gradual, like you get done playing? When did you know, like, okay, I, I definitely want to coach? Or was it a gradual where you kind of eased into it? Or did somebody give you some advice and say, hey, I think you'd be really good at it? Like, everybody has that nudge when they know that they know. You know, like, when, when, when was that for you? I mean, I, I definitely thought that there were other things in life that I, sh that I sort of was interested in pursuing. But I think at the end of the day, when, when my – eligibility was over with. And at that point there was really not a lot of professional options at the time. And, you know, it's one of those things that you're just like, okay, basketball's who I am. It's in my blood. Um, you know, you usually just take a deep breath and, and, and sort of assess the fact that you don't want to give up the game, uh, in any, you know, you have to stay in the game in some capacity. And for me, because there were not, you know, not a lot of professional choices at that time, coaching was the, natural progression for me and then once you get in it i think you know very quickly whether it's for you or not i mean i say that all the time coaching you know I, when young people want to get into coaching i'm like you either like you're in it or you're not like it's not a, there's not an in between i think in coaching and it was pretty clear to me once i got started that it was in my dna to be a coach but then off of that you know baylor and then you make additional stops at north texas texas Taylor, and then um, really just kind of how it was moving up in each position, transpiring really to help one from the next. Definitely. Um, I, I think some of it is, is definitely luck along the way. I mean, you meet people and I mean, I, you know, I think you, I think you make your own luck, but I think relationships that you stumble upon um, are sometimes lucky. And for me, stumbling upon Sanja Hogue, at a crossroads in my career where I was having a lot of high school success, but like, how do you get in the college game? Uh, because at that point, you know, it was hard to break in. I mean, you kind of had to, had to know somebody or something. Um, so it was a stroke of luck. It was really a stroke of luck how I met her and how I got in the game with her at Baylor. But then I think from there, my work kind of spoke for itself, to be honest with you. And I mean, everywhere I went, I mean, my next step was at North Texas. It was a full, that was my first full-time assistance job. And very quickly, my work ethic came forward. Uh, you know, people started to wonder, you know, how are kids getting interested in North Texas? Like who's, who's doing, you know how it is in the game. I mean, like who's doing the recruiting, who's getting them interested. And 
it sort of transpired from there. I mean, I went, I went sort of up the ladder, uh, from recruiting, ex, you know, success. And I, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of young coaches along the way, and I think some of them that get their start really do forget that their job is recruiting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's 24 sure. seven, like you're not the coach and, uh, it's great if you have X's and no talent for sure as a young assistant, but you make your mark in recruiting and you go, you, you step up the ladder, um, uh, as far as what your capabilities are in the recruiting, um, realm. And, and for me, I was able to, to make that mark pretty quickly, to be honest with you. And, and Jody kind of noticed the things that I was doing at North Texas. So I stepped into a recruiting role at Texas and, Really, that's where I established uh, myself as a college coach was was the recruiting job that I did at the University of Texas. And then from there, you know, I mean, I, I, I was an associate head coach there and went back to Baylor for one year before I landed my first head job uh, at Charlotte where Allen was. And, you know, I was ready at that point. I mean, I have done I had done enough work uh, under great people. I mean, I'd been fortunate to work under some of the greatest coaches in the game and I think what that taught me was not necessarily what my X's and O system was going to be about. It really was how to run a program. So when I took the Charlotte job, I I knew I was ready to run a basketball program. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark is that they might be ready to coach basketball, but they might not be ready to run a program. And there's a big difference in that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I, you know, I was ready. I mean, I, I was ready and I was able to have some success at Charlotte and then, you know, made a few more moves. I mean, I've had, you know, tremendous opportunities to coach at, you know, some of the greatest places and, you know, back at the university of Texas and just, uh, steps in my career have been ordered for sure. And I appreciate all the opportunities. And the funnest thing for me is I've had an opportunity to coach with and coach some of the great, greatest players that have played the game. Sure have. You even touched on it too, like taking the head spot at Charlotte, but then including Charlotte, you had North Texas, Texas, and then as we mentioned, currently UTSA. Throughout those 15 plus years of head coaching experiences, I mean, is there anything that you would say that you're like, this is my number one or number two pieces of advice for people who are potentially stepping into those maybe first year head coaching roles or just head coaching in general? I, I think that's, there's a, this is a cliche, but if you've done it long enough, I really do think that it is it's true. And I think most coaches understand this. I think that you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with along the way. I've had missteps in that and I've had great decisions in that. But as I reflect back on the 15 years that I've been a head coach, my, my most rewarding years really had to do with the people that I spent it with, you know, and I think surrounding yourself around people that have sort of the same vision that you do is really, really important. Uh, because everybody doesn't. I mean, every, every head coach has their own system they like to run on the court. They have their own ways of of managing the young people. They have their own ways of doing things. And you know, I I was listening to a podcast one time, and 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 I was listening to you know Kellen talk at the University of Houston, and I know that's his dad, but he was talking about that specifically how you know if you don't believe in what the coach believes in, like you'd really need to go somewhere else because it doesn't work. And (laughs) I think that, you know, I just, I think that that's the most important thing when you become a head coach is, you know, surround yourself with people that you really trust and that believe in what you believe in. And then I think the second part is probably recruit to your system, you know, and I've had some mishaps in that where I've recruited kids that I thought, you know, I can get them to fit into the way I play and the way I believe. And, 
that's really hard to do, I think, sometimes. And so I think recruiting to the way that you play and the way you like to play as a head coach is really, really important. Oh, well said. Yeah, I mean, you, you really can't. I, I'll be the first one to say I had a sales job trying to sell something I didn't believe in. And I'm like, this is a terrible idea. And you, you can't sell something <laughs> that you don't truthfully believe in, though. Like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I, this is this is terrible. This is when Amazon was coming up. I'm like, Amazon's way better than this. Why am we, Why are we even, you know, so it's completely right. to your point. Yeah, you're. You can't sell something you don't believe in. Absolutely. And then you talk about how you're hiring people and, how, you know, your staff has to believe in what you believe in or they're not going to sell you very well. You know, so it, it all it absolutely yeah. all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it becomes a second family, literally. I mean, the amount of time and hours that you spend, you know, if there's no chemistry, like you really it's a square peg in a round hole situation. So. The beauty of this podcast and this this platform, I mean, there's coaches, men's, women's, youth, all the way up to the NBA that are followers of this. So this wisdom is going to strike everybody on some level because you've had the chance to both, obviously, long time as an assistant. Now you've been a head coach. Once you became a head coach, what was the biggest thing that like that surprised you? You know, like yeah, they always talk about when you first become a head coach, it's like, the parents, you know, like you can go at all the Lamaze classes you want and do whatever you got to do. Right. But like until that, right. till it's that day, like it's like, oh, that was real, you know? Yeah. So, like, what was that for you? Like, when you got to Charlotte and, you know, you first get there and you kind of, you know, getting some traction that first 30 days, 60 days, whatever. But like when you're like, holy cow, like this is, yeah, whatever, fill in the blank more than I thought it was. The one thing that uh, I'll start with what what doesn't surprise me is the amount of work. Uh, it it I I just I I'm a firm believer and I and I really think that I do understand how much work you have to do to be successful. Uh, so that was one thing that that never surprised me was the amount of work that you have to do. I think as a head coach, and I'll go back if, if I have a chance, I'll tell you what was the most surprising thing for to me as a as a college coach in general, as opposed to high school or whatever. Uh, but as a head coach, the probably the most the two most surprising things to me. Number one was how much of the job is not necessarily about coaching basketball. You know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of of the job that has nothing to do with practice, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's so much that, that is involved with management and organization and donor relations. Um, there's just so much that has to do with everything but basketball practice. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, when I was a college, I mean, when I was a high school coach, you went to practice. Like I didn't, you know, it was practice. It was, it yeah, was that's basketball. It. And that's it. There's a exactly. lot about college coaching that, that involves everything but practice. So that, that was probably, I mean, it was probably surprising to me. Uh, and then I think the other most surprising thing to me uh, just because, again, I had been a, I'd been a high school coach for so long. I had one person with me all the time. And then one guy that he was the baseball coach and he drove the bus for me because I couldn't drive because uh, I was a terrible driver and nobody wanted me to drive the bus. So the baseball coach decided he was going to drive it for me. But literally, that was my circle when I coached right. in high school. And so when oh, you became tiny. head coach, I think the most surprising part to me also was the management of the of the adults 
how difficult that is sometimes to get, you know, if you have a large staff, how, how can you get, and the amount of energy that it takes to make sure they're all on the same page and they're speaking the same language to the players. Um, those two things probably caught me off guard a little bit, just in a sense of a lot of people say, well, it's the kids. Well, no, the kids are kids. They're, they're always going to have the same issues and they're always going to be who they are because they're kids. Um, but I think, I think that those other two things caught me off guard a little bit. So that's been a learning experience and it still continues to be as I go along. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I a hundred percent agree on those two. Like, and I don't know that you can prepare for them. I really don't. I don't know if there's a way to, until you actually get in that chair and have to go through it and figure out what works best for you and the people you're with, like you go through like Amazon book list, like, I don't see any books written on like, <laughs> you know, this is how you, this is how you deal with like all this stuff. Like you literally just got to go through it. But I remember when, Good I, first idea. Got to, when I first got to Charlotte, I, I was like, my God, like, can I, where the fellas at? Like, can I just go to the gym, get some shots with somebody? Like, <laughs> and it's like, no, nah, we need you to go over here, this community thing. And you know, yeah, this, this event's going on like so. No, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's definitely a learn. There's a learning curve with that for sure. Oh, my goodness. No question. One of the final things that I had before we kind of cut to the final segment was just your experiences. Obviously, it was it was great. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of enjoyment out of it. But was there anything that stood out to you when you were with Texas? You guys went to the final four that that spectacular season. Was there anything that stood out like that season? when it comes to just like behind the scenes stuff? I was, I was actually the associate head coach when we went to the final four. I was the head coach when we went to the elite eight. So I've had two, two dramatically different experiences with championship teams and all of that. And first of all, going to the final four is really hard. I mean, those that make it more than once and make it consecutive years, like kudos to them because it is very hard to do. It is very hard to stay focused and stay goal oriented for that long of a period of time. Uh, so it is, yeah. It you know, it's what I really learned the most about that experience is how difficult it is and how admirable it is for those teams and those coaches that do it more than once. But I will say that what sticks out to me and all of the teams that I've been a part of that have been championship teams or, I mean, there's always, I think, a, a common denominator between those teams. I mean, first of all, they've had tremendous player-led team, you know, they're player-led uh, either by a you know, by a point guard or a very strong personality. And then I think the other, um, the other trait that seems very obvious as you go along in those journeys with those particular teams is how incredibly um, goal-driven they are, how they understand that process of goals. Season rolls along and you start to realize you, you've got sort of a, a special relationship going on with that particular team single-minded they get in and what they do every day in practice how they learn how to shut everything out uh and 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 i think it goes back to how goal-driven they are it's crazy because we all set goals every year you know every coach said you know you sit down you set your goals for the year and you talk about this that and the other but you know you find out along the way that some teams can't stay focused on that particular goal they can't stay goal-driven they get they let outside sources get you know, in their heads, they, um, you know, you have injuries. I mean, you have all these different things that happen that take them in different directions. And I think that that's been the common denominator with, with any of the teams that I've had that 
that have either won championships or gone to a Final Four or gone to an Elite Eight. It's that they became so um, goal-driven and that, that they, their process-driven in that particular year was it seemed like that was the common denominator, that they just didn't let anything get in the way of what their process was and what their goals were for that particular year. Yeah, no, that player-led thing is a big deal. Like, it, it, it's – sometimes it's even hard to describe it, but you just know it when you see it, you know? Absolutely. And they take so much off your plate when you have a group. You know, even Sometimes it's one alpha, like you said, that kind of does it, but other times it's maybe two or three that, you know, they're so connected and they just – everyone feeds off of them, but – no, that's a uh, yeah. It's it's humbling too, like to get. Yeah, it really is. Lucky enough to do it at Ohio State. Like when you were, you look around, and you're like, there's only four teams left, and we're one of them. Like, right. It's humbling because yeah. the number of people. It that really have is. Been in this profession, 30, 40 years as head coaches, assistants, whatever, whatever percentage of people that have had an opportunity to go to that, you know, stage. I don't know what the number, the percentage number is, but it's probably pretty low <laughs> of all the people that have done, you know, done this. I, I just remember feeling really humble. Like you walk out there for those practices you know, that are open to the public and there's X amount of thousand people in the, in the place. And you're just going, my goodness, like I, I just absolutely I still get I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, I think another real common denominator too also is just how they how those particular teams practice, you know, and it's not like they necessarily started that way, but there's this I mean, and I know you know what I'm talking about, but the, there are moments in a year all of a sudden that team gets it. They get how to how to get in and get the, you know, like get the job done and and be as productive as they can be in in, in an amount of time and not waste moments in seconds yeah, in practice. Right. And I think that that becomes yeah. really obvious as a coach, if you've seen teams like that, and then you, you know, seen, you've seen teams that they just can't figure that out, you know, and it's uh, <laughs> again, back to the player led, I think players lead practice. There's no question about that, but I think it's also will the willingness to follow in practice, you know, and not, not, um, not be a distraction. And, and really and it goes back to having the common goal. Every single person, in that circle becomes very goal driven on one common goal. And it just, it just, like you said, when you see it, it's, it, it's a phenomenal experience. It really is. It really is. No, no doubt. Cause it just doesn't happen every year. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's, that's why it's that hard to get <laughs> that far. You know, it's the, right. So few teams can actually figure that out and put it together. And, uh, but yeah, the level of competitiveness those teams have too, it's, it's off the charts. I mean, they just, they don't just not like they don't just like to win. They de they truly develop this hatred for losing of losing. Yeah, they sure. a lot of people want to, you know, a lot of people like to win, but like competitive right. teams like that, they get that far. Like there's just this they just detest losing. They just they develop that collective nasty taste in their mouth to not even want to be a part. Yeah. You know. And that goes back to practice, Alan. I mean, that goes back to like they didn't want to lose in practice. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're, that's right. they're not Those waiting segments. until the game. They're not waiting yeah, until the game right. to figure out whether they want to lose or win. I mean, they're they're <laughs> trying to win everything in practice, and that's what the Kobe mentality separates a lot of teams. Separates a lot of teams. We'll kind of cut to the final segment. What we'll do is we're going to just shoot three questions at you, three quick hitters, and then really for you, just kind of like shorter, quick responses, and then 
from there, we'll get to our final question, wrap it up, and be all done from there. How's that sound? Sounds good. This is our rising coaches family feud uh, style. Got it. There's no there's no shot clock though, so there's no there's no buzzer. To Got it. Off. So yeah, you're you're good. If I could put all the answers up on the board real quick, no. <laughs> Survey uh, <laughs> So the very first one we'll go with: What is one thing maybe most people underestimate about you? Crazy, but I would probably say kindness. No, I wouldn't say it's crazy. I mean. I obviously don't know you well enough to be able to kind of have that idea, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's crazy. I know why she would probably say that. Cause, uh, and again, <laughs> I had, I had the, I had the, I had the absolute privilege of, of working with this woman for a year. This is one of the most competitive individuals I've ever been around. And yeah. when she locks in, you could have the freaking Barnum and Bailey circus going on next door. She's not even going to acknowledge it. <laughs> like when she's locked in, she's locked the hell in yeah and so some people probably say gosh yeah she's real serious gee whiz you know how about mm -hmm. a smile or every now and then or something but that's just i i it didn't take me long being around you to kind of get that like you you just that's just you so i can see why you gave that why you would give that answer because people probably maybe tend to overread that and say like uh, well, she's really serious, doesn't want to talk to anybody or whatever. I'm just like, no, nah, she's just locked in, man. The second one, if there was one piece of advice that you could give your younger self, um, and I should say for coaching-wise, coaching-wise, if there was one piece of advice you could tell yourself uh, starting your coaching career that you know right now, what would that advice be? I would probably say that, you know, mentorship is a huge thing, I think, in coaching. The mentors that I chose, you know, they kind of mirrored my style a little bit, which is obviously why you choose them, that you, you want to learn from yeah. someone that, that interests you. But I think finding um, maybe a couple of other mentors would have been beneficial for me to broaden my scope of coaching. I mean, it's more of a coaching, you know, maybe maybe have some mentors that were the opposite of me, uh, it, but coaching style, everything. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying like as a person. Uh, I just mean, I think yeah, for no, me as a young coach, that would have been a good thing for me. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, completely. No, Great like answer. That. Yeah. And then the final one, before we cut to the final question is at a young age, I mean, I, I know we kind of asked this already, but what, what did you want to be? You know, did you always want to be a coach or was there something else in the back in the mind? You're like, this is what I want to pursue. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, I probably um, would have gone into, I, I love psychology. I, I took it and I've, I started out in it and then uh, changed to education throughout my college career. And I mean, well, I will be honest with you. Part of coaching is psychology, but I, I do, I do think, I, I do think a large part. A yeah, no, a, a very large part, but it was intriguing. It was very intriguing to me. I think had I done something else, it probably would have been in that realm. That's great. No, I, I ended up getting my master's in psychology. So I always love kind of hearing stuff like that. Cause it, it does. Yeah. Like you said it. It's more psychological than you think. But then the final question we have is, if you had to narrow in onto one piece of advice for young rising coaches who are trying to get their foot in the door, and what would that advice be? I think the, the biggest advice, and it's, I think in particular in the climate that we live in now, is don't be afraid to take a um, what I think might be deemed as a minuscule job 
I think some people now are afraid to take a video coordinator job or afraid to take a GA position, but it doesn't matter what position you take in college. I, I think if you want to be a college basketball coach, um, sometimes you have to start at the very bottom uh, and learn all of the, all of the trades that are required. I think the other thing, the piece of advice I would give, which I think is probably the biggest one is stick with something for more than one year. Um, it, no matter what that is, I, I think that it's very hard in, in the profession that we're in to learn anything the first year that you do it. I think you're, you're treading water so incredibly hard your first year in our, in the profession, no matter what it is, no matter whether it's a GA, a video coordinator, an assistant coach, um, stick with what you're doing until you can learn what the, what, what is expected in that particular place. And then, you know, that's the first year. You're just spending the first year trying to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to be doing and what is expected from me. And then the second and the third year, you start to manage your craft. Like you start to really hone in on that and say, okay, I want to be great at this. I want to be great at something. And then you go from there. And I think too many people want to just jump ship. You know, if they don't like what they're doing the first year, let me go try something else. And I think that in our business, it's the same thing as players, like figure out what you can be great at. And then you, and then you can take the next step as you go along, but you have to be great at something in this profession, no matter what. I mean, it's got to be something. And um, I just think that sticking with someone and sticking with a system is really, really important. And then you can, you can take those steps and, you know, go up that ladder of success the, any way that you want to. But I do think that that's, um, I, it's my best advice to give someone. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Um, and then, I mean, Alan, do you have any, or I should say anybody have any final comments, questions, anything that to, before we kind of put the closing remarks in? No, I, I just want to say thanks again, Karen, for you doing this. Like, well, Thank that. you. It's great to see you again, first and foremost. <laughs> but, um, you know, it seemed like we were just together three weeks ago, and it's been almost four years now, I guess, a little bit more than four years. But, uh, um, but no, I just always appreciated your friendship. Like the day, you know, once I got to Charlotte, you were just open arms, um, never made me feel like a stranger, just kind of helped me. <laughs> go through a tumultuous first year that we had there with trying to rebuild, but, uh, right. But no, just always appreciate your friendship uh, and appreciate you. So thank well, you. I, I just, I appreciate, um, and thank you for letting me be a part of this, but you know, I just, I don't think that we're doing enough, um, for young coaches. You know, I, I, I think the mentorship is, it, it was such a big deal when I was growing up and, when mm -hmm. I got into the profession, there were, you know, there were, there was so much more networking that was a little bit more natural than what it is now. And, um, yeah. I, uh, I appreciate what y'all are doing. I think it's necessary. Um, and I, if I can never help you with anything, you be sure and let me know. Oh, for sure. I still owe you tacos down there too, by the way. So. You sure do. You sure <laughs> do. I, I know you'll be down here to see the Spurs at some point. No, I gotta. I want to see that that joint that you guys call a facility. I mean, I, I've seen it. We online, were talking about that. That's my unreal. Gosh, like unreal. Yeah, I want to. I want to see that place because that that's it looks amazing. You talk about the rock. 
Yeah, just your your facility. The new like, facility. You, get, you guys got you got something to sell there for sure. Like that. Yeah, UTSA. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah yeah we're we're getting real close. Of I mean the big next step for us is a practice facility for basketball, and I think we're getting ready. Uh, we're getting close to breaking ground on that. That's going to be a game changer for us. That's awesome. It's a great place. It's a great place. Awesome. Well, thank y'all. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank All right. You. Sounds Merry good. Mer- yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. Talk to you soon. And that does it for another episode of the Rising Coaches Podcast. Doug Caputo, Alan Major, logging off. Keep working. Keep rising, coaches. Take care. Our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball are here to help you take your team's training to the next level this season. Get an exclusive discount on the in-game changing features on select Dr. Dish Rebel Plus, All-Star Plus, and CT Plus shooting machines by mentioning the Rising Coaches podcast or let them know that the Rising Coaches organization had sent you just to get your exclusive discount. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in with us this episode. If you are not a member, want more content, or even be a potential member on our member spotlight to have your story heard, go visit risingcoaches.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Rising Coaches. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review so we can continue to keep rising together.